Hello, Podicumans. Brett Maddox here. Today, we are diving right back into the Faith Once Delivered document that was produced out of the John Wesley Institute. You can check out our show notes for links to the John Wesley Institute and to this document, which is available for free download. Remember that you can connect with us on social media at Podicesis is where you can find us. You can email us at questions at podicesis.com, or you can connect with us through voicemail 404-635-6679. Now, let's start this episode of the Podicesis podcast and continue our discussion on the attributes of God. Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and entrants, or at least they were trying to be entrants into the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade this year, Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? I know y'all were a little, um, little disappointed in not being approved to have your floats in. You, you didn't see me? I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, I was huh? I was you lip didn't... syncing right up there with the, uh, I was on one of the band floats. I was <laughs> you didn't see me. I was I Pikachu. Didn't, I didn't see. I so, was Pikachu. I was Pikachu. <laughs> I was Pikachu. You didn't see me? Well, yeah. what I had heard was that y'all were denied because all you really had turned in as a plan was for Alan to be driving his new Ford truck down the uh down Main Street there or whatever Park Avenue there and waving at people and Jim to be in the back going, "Hey y'all, hey, hey, let me tell you about, you know, I don't know, stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's stop real quick and talk about Brett Maddox's impression of me. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> and, and, no. and new truck, like, I was two years old, I think. So, I mean, I've, I've I had know. it for two years. So, so yeah, here's what true. I want to know. Like, is that an accurate presentation, or no, do you stink no. at impersonations? I really actually stink at All right, impersonations. can any of you do any impersonations? I, I Okay, no. so here's, here's what we're going to do oh. one day. Okay. We've got a we've got a, a a buddy here in our area, David Donnan, who does wicked impersonations of people. Does he really? Wicked. Oh my so goodness. David, I know you're not listening because <laughs> um, you have your own podcast, uh, kind of. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, we'll find but, out if he is listening. But come on, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna find it. This is this is the key. This, this is test. the key. Yeah. We'll have him. We'll have him do his uh, succession of presidents from like uh, the last forty years. It's fantastic. That's crazy. Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. It's yeah, amazing my, my impressions are not good, and then you can always tell I don't think through the introductions. Yeah, yeah we we all because can tell. my brain just shuts down whenever I start going into. Did it you see me so. cringing like the moment you started? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Usually, great usually that's what ends. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh. I love this idea of Alan having in his mind, man, I'm going to drive my truck down in the Macy's yeah, Parade. Yeah, that'd been amazing. Hey, just a little pause. Um, hey, guys, reminder that that you can listen to us and watch us on our YouTube channel. YouTube. So, uh, hey, do we yeah, have a YouTube. handle? Do we have a handle? Um, yep, at Podakesis. Hey, how about so, that? Well, look that, at that, man. That is you can, just convenient. It you is. Can, you can look at uh, Brett's. Big old red sweater on the hey. YouTube. Yeah, and and here I, I'm about to show you on the screen my impression of Alan in the Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> this is awesome. Is that that, oh, that that is spot on, Jim. That, I yeah, mean, it's very yeah. very much so. And we wonder why that uh, that yeah application um, to enter for those was of you denied. Who are just listening, Jim is playing with <laughs> Zoom filters and. Um, 
Acting I'm like, telling um, you, you're going to want to get on YouTube just for that idiocy right there. Right. Is I this, mean, is, really. Is this where the podcast jumped the shark? I just need to know. No, no, I no, mean, no. That was oh, episode three. Oh, episode oh, three. Oh, fair can, enough. Is there a shark filter on here? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I think what we are got we doing? Hey, guys. Do. <laughs> let's, let's earn people's attention yes, today. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're continuing through the Faith Once Delivered document put out by the John Wesley Institute. You can look at that for free. Download it at nextmethodism.org. Uh, this document came out earlier this year. And uh, we've been just doing a conversation through each paragraph of this of this document, and we've been uh, talking about the Trinity, an introductory part of the Trinity, and this is kind of a continuation of our um, last discussion that we had. Um, and so we're just going to go right into it with a couple of paragraphs here dealing with the language of God and the revelation of God. So I'm going to turn it all over right. to Alan at this point. Yeah, all right, good. Uh, um, we're going we're gonna to pick back up with uh, paragraph 28. And uh, it, it says this, to confess that the eternal God is Trinity is to confess that God is eternally triune. Therefore, God is not a single being who, like an actor, assuming different roles or identities in different plays, took on the different personalities at different points in history. God did not play the part of the Father when he created the world, the role of the Son, and in the Incarnation. And finally, part of the Holy Spirit to inspire and empower the apostles, nor our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, simply different metaphors used by the authors of Scripture to describe God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the proper names of the persons. They are three distinct persons existing in an eternal communion before and independent of creation. Um, so, I really like that because uh, Jim and Jim and I are both um, um, did a lot of uh, drama in high school, um, yeah. and um, um, I did I did musicals, I did plays. Um, I'm not I'm not afraid to confess that. That's how I met my wife. So bam, booyah, bam, um, bam. So bam. Um, so um, you know I'm familiar with this whole idea of playing a character like you know and um becoming a different character but yet um you know I, I became a character for this play and then another character for this play and this and what this saying is god god did not do that um that that god is trinity and and trinity is three uh persons and each of those persons um are a part of who god is and so God did not just become this and then become this and then become this or play this role or, or do this. God um, is Father, is Son, is Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. So along with my um, great talents of doing impressions of people, yeah. um, I also have great artistic talents. And so I don't know if you can see if you're on YouTube here, but I have a little – let me see. How do I move here? Yep. Have this yeah, little diagram right here, right? Yeah. So you got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, this is not uh, drawn to scale, so just what is that, that font you, you <laughs> wrote in? Is that is that uh, Wingdings? Yes, it's Wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> drawn to scale. It's not. <laughs> what is the scale of the Trinity? <laughs> Wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they listen. This is this is why people join us. Just for yes. this quality that we have <laughs> here. <laughs> quality. Conversations and artwork. So uh but the you know it is this is kind of a classic understanding of the Trinity kind of uh, diagrammed out the uh, um the the persons 
of the Trinity are not each other. Like, so the Father's not the Son, the Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit's not the Father, the Holy Spirit's not the Son. But the Son is God, Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. One substance, right? The same substance, same essence, homoousius is that word. So um, that is, that's what we're, we're getting at here, right? They're not um, different, they're not playing different parts. The God's not playing different parts at different times. God is, there's diversity and unity within the Trinity. All right, so let's yeah. talk a little. All right, all right so Jim, yes, in the uh, in the last episode, uh, gave a really I thought very good description or you know talking points, if you will, on the language of God, particularly mm-hmm. of the persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and so uh, let's let's kind of reiterate that a little bit, and then I want to talk a little bit about why this is important, like from a historical point of view. So yeah. um, we'll come to that in just a second. But let's uh, just give a, I don't know, a, an executive summary of what you were laying out for us, for those yeah, who are we, joining we us. Were, we were talking really quickly about um, people who are using different language for Father, Son, and Holy <laughs> Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. And what, we're, what we were talking about is um, try, recognizing that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as the uh, Tifod there, the faith once delivered says, uh, are the proper names of the persons of the Trinity. Right. Um, because <clears throat> other other names reduce um, the persons of the Trinity to either functions and their actions and therefore take away um, the persona right. of the right. persons of the Trinity. Um, others dive into modalism, which means like, hey, if if God, if we substitute God the Father as creator, then what we're doing is we're we're limiting God to a time in history, like uh, that he would then no longer be like like the uh, actor putting on different roles in different plays at different right. times, right. kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> one of the things that is important to to recognize is being and person are are distinct in theological language, partially because it comes from philosophy. Like when we like right. we are three people. We are three persons, um, but we are three different beings. God is three persons. God is one being. The Godhead is one being. And so you, you, you kind of dive into a little bit of the, the will and the uniqueness and the um, uh, various aspects of uh, classical definitions of personhood to recognize we're not talking about three beings, right. and we're not talking about one God that shows himself in three different ways. We're talking about one God in three persons. Is it a lot to wrap your mind around? Yes, Patrick, it sure is. <laughs> Um, so great, but, but it is important. I, I think one of the keys that kind of helped me unlock, and, and I wish I had a quote with me right now. I left it over at the house. Um, the the distinction between being and person in classic theology and philosophy: one mm-hmm. being, three persons. We are three people, three yeah. beings, right? And that's a different thing, right? So, um, and and I'm I'm glad you brought up the whole philosophical piece to this because so if you take this back to it, kind of its historical roots. Um, um, first of all, let me just say this. So did y'all know that no. Constantine invented Ooh. Christianity? Like Edison and the light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> like Elon and Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so we know that there was a very popular book and movie that came out a number of years ago called uh, The Da Vinci Code. Y'all remember that book? <laughs> And um, in that book, first of all, Dan Brown, he starts the book off saying, you know, this is a work of fiction, but all the uh, all the stuff inside of it is factual. Like all the 
the the and he's really speaking about a particular group or groups um, that he gets highlighted in the uh, in the in the book. However, that being said, with a comment like that, people will read it and think that there is some historical accuracy. Well, when you get to the kind of middle of the book, um, where um, uh, basically it's lifted up that Christianity became what it is because of Constantine the Great. In other words, that Constantine basically created what Christianity is. That Jesus, for example, like the divinity of Jesus, that came out of Constantine's empire. And uh, uh, Jesus being, that Jesus never considered himself son of God, you know, that um, he never considered himself divine. Um, well, all of that is false. There, there's, that, that is not, there's no historical that credence or theological credence to to that. I mean, people hold to that, but there's nothing that um, holds to that, especially that Constantine created Christianity. What happened was um, Constantine comes into power in Rome, and um, he is a pagan. Oh. He he's a pagan, and but one of the th- concerns that he has is that he wants to bring unity to the empire, and so he sees this. Christian movement as a way to do that. And so he also sees within this Christian movement at the time that there is a lot of infighting going on, some important infighting, but still infighting going on over the nature of Jesus, the nature of God. Um, You've got uh, various factions. Um, You've got a guy named Alexander who's promoting kind of uh, proto-Trinitarian thought. Um, And then you've got someone like Arius who's this charismatic teacher who's promoting this idea that Jesus was subordinate to the Father, that he was lower than the Father, a created being, all of this. This all comes basically from—you were talking about philosophy. This philosophical thought was playing through all of this, and so there's this kind of infighting. In fact, riots in the streets. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of, knew that. We we know that there are riots for very reasons uh, these days. But back then, there were actually theological riots. People taken to the streets. They had taken sides and rioting in the streets for Arius and for Alexander. And I mean, it was just just crazy. And That's so crazy man. It's just crazy. So then um, Constantine, seeing a need to bring unity to the empire. Um, you, seeing that there is something to this Christian movement, he calls for a council to come together of bishops to come from all over the empire to come together and to hash this thing out, to, to, to figure it out. And that's what happens. Now, let me just say this on a side note. Was that, did they have to postpone that conference? <laughs> to, to a <clears throat> I was just asking. <laughs> I don't. Was it, wasn't it originally scheduled for two it, years before? It, it was. It was, okay. and they only met every four years anyway. Were the so, same? Anyway. Were the same? Were the same bishops allowed to go? Uh, <laughs> oh, is this too much inside baseball I for just, our listeners? I go ahead. Okay. No, I think you know, it's probably you know, just writing them out. Sorry. What was what was happening? What was happening is I was noticing that now we're on. Now that we're on video. Alan has to start looking like he cares about the history I do. lectures. I do. Pretend- <laughs> I was, uh, to know. Bring it in. Bring it in. Uh, man, this is amazing. Hey, everyone. We will return to the show in just a moment. But we just wanted to take this time and tell you about some of our favorite people. As you know, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. 
Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, you can visit www.spiritandtruth.life. We also want to let you know about the Spirit and Truth Conference, March 9th through the 11th in Dayton, Ohio. Last year, uh, the Podakesis podcast crew went to this conference for the very first time, and honestly, it was life-changing. It was so impactful. And so we want to invite you to join us at this conference in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th. You can register now. Registrations are open. Early registration is open at spiritandtruth.life, and you can follow the link there. You can also put the word podcast, podcast, in the discount code box and get a little bit of a discount on your registration. So uh, we hope to see you in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th of 2023, as we all come together in worship, seeking God's Spirit, and being uh, and, and just fellowshipping with each other as we grow closer to Jesus. And now, uh, that's all I have, so we're going to get back to our conversation about the attributes of God. So, I will say this. This is one of the most interesting things to me. Um, just a few years prior to Constantine coming to power and calling the Christ, uh, these bishops together for this council, there was a major persecution against Christians in the Roman Empire. And so can you imagine being a, a, a bishop of the church? And then all of a sudden nope. you get a uh, – yeah, Jim, one day. Nope. Um, uh, you get a, an official – letter or an official scroll with the emperor's seal on it inviting you to his summer home to have a meeting like you might have been a bishop who is scarred like literally has the scars of the persecution on your body and now you're getting you know you're older in age you're getting this hey come to my house I just imagine so the uh, historians ancient historians talk about bishops coming missing limbs eyes gouged out, scars of the persecution coming to the Council of Nicaea to have okay. this discussion. Yeah. So, I it's mean— Trinity this is, serious business. What now? This yeah, Trinity is serious business. Yeah, so, so the, 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 the faith that it took for these bishops from the empire to make that trek to Nicaea, to the emperor's place, at the emperor's uh, invitation, that, that to me is just mind-boggling. Were the Jedi invited? No, they were not. Order. Okay, I just keep yeah. thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. No. And where does Palpatine enter? Palpatine's not. So. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I'm they sorry, come. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's good. No. So they come. They and they have this. Uh, they have this conference. This this council. Um, the council of Nicaea, and out of that council comes this Trinitarian formula, this official statement, and this is where we get the Nicene Creed, that comes out of this as well. And so there's so much going on contextually where they're dealing with the language of God. They're dealing with, um, you know, various uh, what would become heresies, uh, the ways that we think about God. Like this was, in, this was important. This wasn't some invention of some emperor. This was an important Christian community, Christian way of thinking and being. 
people ask, you know, sometimes whenever I'm doing a teaching on church history or I'm doing a teaching on orthodoxy or be, you know, Trinitarian thought, or you know, why does this matter? What's the big deal about this? Well, um, Alexander, who was one of the bishops who was promoting Trinitarian thought during this time, he put it plain and simple. He said, it matters because salvation matters. Like salvation rests on this. The salvation of humanity rests on this. If Jesus is not God, if Jesus is not divine, he has no authority or power to do anything about sin. So for so that, that for me, I think Alexander answered that question long time ago. That's why it matters, salvation, because salvation matters. The way we think about God, the way we talk about God, the way we teach God, it can't be based on our own, who we are. It has to, there has to be some sort of, it has to come it has to be revealed to us in a, in a in a way. That's how it works. God reveals Himself to us because salvation matters. It, it salvation is at is at stake in this. But Brett, isn't that all just like the invention of man? And <clears throat> don't we just like if if we just give our lives to Jesus? Isn't that enough? Why do we? Why does it? Why does that affect salvation? Seriously? Like if we just yeah. So um, the so. The Trinitarian thought, it does come out of people coming together and thinking through these things, but it ultimately is founded in the revealed authoritative text and the witness of the apostles and of, 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 of the gospels and of the scripture of the scripture of scriptures um, coming through us, coming through or coming through people. So no, it's not the invention of humanity, it matters how we think about this kind of stuff. I'm not answering this question well at all. Well, I think I think what you said I'll earlier, it, yeah. that if, if Jesus is not divine, then he has a no authority over our sin mm-hmm. and has no um, way to, to deal with our sin. And so, um, um, you know, and I think I was going, going back to you, the backdrop, the context this is all happening in, um, that... I feel like very serious, I mean, dangerous things were happening. Um, Mm -hmm. The church was being persecuted. And then we kind of go back to the language aspect of what we've been talking about last time. And this is, and we just kind of so flippantly think we can just change the words. We can just, um, postmodernism. well, it's, it's a, sometimes it's a flippant thing. And then other times, well, we just, you know, it just helps helps other people. You know, we, we do it almost missionally thinking that, you know, we can help people draw closer to God. But, um, um, I think it's just dangerous, um, because we forget where this comes out of, um, and how serious it was Mm -hmm. when the church, um, you know, formulated, um, the Trinitarian language. Well, um, I mean, aren't we just smarter and more technologically advanced <laughs> and wiser than people oh, who came yes. before us? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. back in the We're day, we actually used to kill chickens. Now I just get it from the store. Yeah. How yeah. smart could they have been? Right. right. Here's the funny thing. Like, so salvation hinges on these things. But salvation comes through faith in Christ by grace, not by works, etc. Yes, this is true. So here's the deal. You're talking about your soul, your life, your, and then the life of the world, right? Right. 
Um, so if this whole thing does not have, does not hold together an experience and logical consistency through revelation, through history, through community, if this thing can't hold together with consistency, this whole faith thing, then it is not worth giving your life for. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah, Jesus saves you, and then you then you take a minute, because we're smart people, and we investigate the things of God, and we're wired to investigate the things of God, and you get down to it, and you say, oh, but, you know, it logically falls apart about 10 thoughts down the line. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what that's what's happening right now. So I, there, there's always been a, an atheist apologetic movement. I mean, there really has. And the arguments are so sophisticated, um, not necessarily because people are trying to take this thing apart uh, for ill reasons, but because it matters down to like the depths of the nature of God, like Jesus saving our souls like on a Sunday morning or in a, a conversation with somebody, and you can have experience with the Lord, you can give your life to Jesus, you can ask him to be the Lord of your life and forgive your sins. But if three days later, you realize that the whole thing doesn't have consistency, you're writing it off. Mm -hmm. You're no longer giving your life for it. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not willing to lose your limb for it. Um, and part, and what's ha I've noticed this so much recently. Um, a lot of the a lot of the things that we do uh, in the American church for uh, evangelistic purposes and reaching out to people and all this stuff, we're just defining ourselves by what we're just reacting against ourselves. You know, like um, I was looking at uh, a definition of a mission movement in a, the region around here, and it said we're, we want to um, create communities for people who the church doesn't or, or who... Uh, who won't be reached by the church, um, who have been pushed away by the church is what it said. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, that's just, the church just shot itself in the foot. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the whole thing holds together logically and consistency, and we need to celebrate that. We don't need to, we don't need to put aside the things that matter, like the history and the logic and the thought and the depth, because once you, I'm a, I'm a little rambling now, but I'm going to come around. I'm going to land this plane, brethren. Come on, like a pilot. Come on, like on the Hudson. Um, <laughs> I just got hit in the air. Um, <laughs> Jesus saves your soul, yes. And then when you dig deep and you realize how tight and how consistent and how beautiful everything is, mm -hmm. then are you not more willing to yield to the truth? Mm. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it does matter. It's not just oh well. Some guy said if Jesus isn't is subordinate to the Father, then what? Like salvation does hinge on it. Hinges on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you it's even like, say it's like yeah. it's like Bitcoin. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. What's this guy? What's this company? FTX. FTX. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this company, like they're they're selling cryptocurrency. Yeah. And man, it's banging for 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 years. Like almost convinced me to spend ten bucks on cryptocurrency, and that's a lot. Yeah. Because I don't do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I invest in like ground because um, that doesn't change. Um, <laughs> and then and then we find out like all this stuff's going on mm -hmm. and like nobody's going to buy it now. Yeah. Because it's not consistent. It's not true. It's foundations aren't logical. It doesn't mesh together. It's all jacked up. Right. Anyway. So I think this is a, a logical step to our next paragraph. 
because it's not just based the trinity is not based on um um on history or or just logic but it's, it's revealed to us in scripture right so um paragraph 29 says the god of scripture is the god revealed as trinity historically for example the church has interpreted adam uh, abraham's uh, abraham's three heavenly guests at mamre to be the father son and holy spirit genesis 18 at Jesus' baptism, the three persons are depicted as distinct when the voice of the Father declares, This is my Son, the Beloved. And the Son is anointed by the Holy Spirit, who descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, Matthew 3, 17. In Jesus' farewell sermon, John 14 through 17, he tells the apostles that he will pray to the Father to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth to give understanding to the apostles, John 14, 16. Examples such as these reveal that whenever God speaks or acts in Scripture, He does so as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and so, uh, kind of, I, I think we talked about this last time, but it's like sort of whenever you sort of um, open up your brain into the, and your heart to the, to the idea of God as Trinity, you start seeing it everywhere throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just it, you just come to realize that this is how God revealed Himself revealed to himself, us, right. and, um, and and yeah. that's and that's the way God like if you God reveals Himself in general ways. We see that in the Old Testament. Um, what was it you said, Jim, about Creator, Sustainer, and uh, Redeemer? That it those are the the actions or how how did yeah, you put the, it? those those are activities activities of God. And in the Old Testament, you will have God being described in those, like, words, like, names like El Shaddai would be that kind of thing. But then God reveals himself in very specific ways, uh, particularly like his revelation of his name, right, Yahweh, and what would become his name. I am, I, I am that I am. Um, that is, that is an important, like, God, this is what God has always done. He reveals himself generally. He reveals himself specifically, and that's what we're getting at here. That in Scripture we see this: that this revelation of God to His people, to people, to creation, to His creation, it it comes, and this is this is this is important. We can't just write it off. Yeah, and and again, just to reiterate, the uh, doctrine of the Trinity was not developed. Right. It was articulated. Mm -hmm. Right. It was mm -hmm. words finally put. Yeah to the truth that always was. Right. That's exactly right. And so, um, yes, absolutely. And so to say that, so 325, 4th century, is when the Trinitarian formula is put, kind of codified, if you want to use that language. But even well before then, Trinitarian thought had permeated throughout, I mean, the, the earliest creeds that we have, even before the Nicene Creed, were based upon some sort of Trinitarian way through, you know, we believe in God the Father, we believe in uh, His Son, Jesus, we believe in the Holy Spirit. These, these are even the earliest creeds are uh, formulated on that. I was, uh, in this great book, if y'all are interested in church history, there's a great kind of entry-level book on this called Turning Points by Mark Knoll, Decisive Moments in Church History, or Christian History, History of Christianity. Um, and uh, we'll put a link on in our show notes, show notes. Uh, for that. But, show notes. uh, in his chapter on the Council of Nicaea, he opens up with this uh, beautiful 
prayer hymn that was written as early as the third century, so this would be in the 200s, um, on a piece of, of pottery uh, found um, near, in Egypt, uh, near the Nile. And um, this, is, this is what it says. This is how it goes. It says, uh, May none of God's wonderful works keep silence night or morning, bright stars, high mountains, and depths of the seas, sources of rushing rivers. May all these break into song as we sing to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May all the angels of the, in the heavens reply, Amen, Amen, Amen. Praise, power, praise, honor, eternal glory to God, the only giver of grace. Amen, Amen, and Amen. So even before the formulation, the official formulation of the Nicene Creed, the Trinitarian formula, the word homoousius, same substance, all, all of this stuff, there was already within the heartbeat of Christian community this understanding of God revealed as Trinity. And what was that piece of pottery? Um, it's called the—it um, was a fragment of pottery— uh, discovered in Ox, uh, Oxyronicus. It's an ancient ruin 10 miles west of the Nile. Around 200? Around In the 3rd century. Which is subsequently the last time you watched a movie? <laughs> yes, it did. Did that include, or did, that in, did, you, did you write on that some references to I did, Animal actually. House? Or? <laughs> Animal House. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that, but uh, I mean, you're not wrong. I don't know. Look, you did an impersonation <laughs> to me earlier, and like for the next two episodes, I'm just gonna find a way. That's fine. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but a kickback belongs to me. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I don't <laughs> so special. I know, I feel the love in this. Oh, man. But that just goes to show you, again, that, I mean, this is not something that was created in a moment in, you know, in some summer home of the Constantine, the Emperor Constantine. This was communal thought. The reason why the debate between Arius and Alexander, the reason why all these debates were going on on the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, the nature of the Holy Spirit, these these controversies, um, sabalism and modalism and adoptionism and all of this, these various type of heretical ways of thinking about the nature of God. The reason all this was happening was because this was part of communal thought for those early Christian communities. This was, it wasn't, they saw this as being important from the very beginning. And so, you know, Jim, you asked earlier, you know, well, aren't we just smart? My, my response to that is, who are we to think we're any better? I mean, like, there, I think it's very arrogant of us to think that we've, we're more enlightened, that we've, we're smarter, that we're, we're just, you know, I don't know, more advanced. We may be more advanced because we have iPhones, but is that really true? A testimony of no. The person who ident uh, uh, built and designed the iPhone is more advanced. We are much less advanced because we all we use is our phones. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, who are we? You know, it's kind of that yeah. Job comment. Who are you <laughs> that you would, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the um, the reality is like the Holy Spirit is 
the active agent through the Christian community of the church through time and history. Mm-hmm. So let's say yeah, maybe they yeah. didn't they didn't discover electricity at Nicaea. It doesn't mean that because we have it that we are more advanced in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the discoveries that we have are built upon the discoveries of others uh, who may have had it even more difficult because they were starting from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's not it's not necessarily based on the human reason and progress that any of this stuff matters. It's based on the fact that the Holy Spirit has worked through the Christian community mm-hmm. through the generations mm-hmm. and transmitted faithfully and consistently uh, the truth and development of our faith. Yeah. So whether or not, whether or not we're more advanced because we're talking into microphones today uh, and they had to go and build amphitheaters with no sound equipment, that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is less advanced Mm. back in the day. The Holy Spirit is good, powerful, and true. So, I mean, that's that's something you got to, I just take into account when I take that human progress argument. That is a, that'll preach all day long. I hope so, because i got to preach on Sunday, and I'm not ready yet. (laughs) All right, so this may be a good spot to kind of uh, start winding her And all God's children said amen. 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 All right, Potecumens, we are so glad that y'all joined us. Let us know what you think of the Trinity. Like, tell us, you know, what your thoughts are on um, Trinitarian thought and, you know, maybe some challenges you've had when thinking about the Trinity, um, and tell us why you think it's important. And then lastly, here's what I'd love to do. I'm going to just throw this out there. Questions at podakesis.com is where you can send this next project. Um, uh-huh. If Jim and Alan were to enter a float in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade next year, what should that float look like? We would love to see ideas for the Potokesis Thanksgiving, float, Day, Thanksgiving parade. Day Parade float. Millennium Falcon with the Potokesis logo on the front. Hey, listen, I think it's already done. I think we're done. Yeah, Ooh. okay, that's it. <laughs> if you can top that, email questions email. at potokesis.com. Absolutely, absolutely. And until next time, y'all have a great day and God bless. As we end this episode, we will have all the links mentioned in the episode per- particularly those links pertaining to the John Wesley Institute and the document, The Faith Once Delivered, available uh, in our show notes. That uh, document, The Faith Once Delivered, is available for free download. So just click on that link and go download it, and you will have that resource. It's fantastic. Uh, Be sure to hit us up on social media. At Potokesis is where you can find us. You can find us on our website, potokesis.podbean.com, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So share us with your friends and tell them just to find us wherever. You can leave us a voicemail, uh, 404-635-6679, or leave us an email, questions at podokesis.com. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, which helps us out there. We greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, and God bless.